All those comics, all the games, all those toys, all the TV, the animation. Just give us, just give us one hour and 45 minutes and we will give you everything more. Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 303. Kabam, kaboom. Wow. Yeah, all the wow sound we. effects. Uh, I'm... I just, that was our sound effects budget. Just <laughs> plowed through it. <laughs> I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Marvel's Agent M, joined by... Ben Morse, editorial director of Marvel Digital Media. And we've got with us... Tucker Marcus, assistant editor. Yeah, back in the fold on a regular basis. I yeah. like having Tucker here. Three amigos. Yes. You know, yeah. that's us. Uh, you can't tell, caballeros. but I'm, I'm yeah. doing the... <laughs> yes, that's from the popular film, Three Amigos. Very current Thank reference. There's so Tucker. Much. Thank you so much. Well, I made the reference first. So. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, we'll give you some leeway. Yeah. Tucker, you're, Tucker gets no leeway. <laughs> if you're just joining us, we're three uh, goofballs who are going to talk about new comics out this week, single issues, print, digital collections. Uh, we're going to talk about some news and updates and things. Yeah. We'll throw it to our West Coast team who are... Uh, just crackerjack in it. Uh, They're great. We've got Eric and Christine Do out there. Do we have there. new theme music for them yet? We're working on it. All right. They I, deserve it. Yep. I um, am in touch with Jimmy Yaron from yep. Mindless Self-Indulgence, who does all our theme music for the show, and he is working on a new one with them. They're that's working awesome. together. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. We should have them give the weekly Disneyland report, since the two of them go to Disneyland together every week. Not not together. They go it's, and they... together. But they, together. they somehow end up being there at the same times yeah. with their separate groups and yeah. just happen to yeah. run into each other. Yeah. Oh, shout out to our buddy Mel Kylo. Yeah. Who, uh, who was he tore... What did he tear last year? His foot. <laughs> Mel had a bad injury, and he finally got out of the cast. He's a good friend of Christine, so the two of them went to Disneyland this year. Yeah. And I want to give him a uh, shout-out. Mel's, yeah. Mel's an old buddy of ours, and we love him. Mel's the best. He's from our wizard days. Our wizard days. Speaking of uh, which, did you see Zach Oat today? Uh, I know I, that you were the reason he was here, but I didn't know if you actually got to see him or not. I was only told he was in the lobby, and yes. I had too many meetings, and I didn't get to see him. I saw him briefly. He's doing well. Great. He's looking well. Great. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, what's going on this week? We are gearing up um, Defenders. A whole bunch of stuff. Yes, Defenders. Let's talk Defenders for a sec because that is the subject of my news section today. I have Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith on to talk a little Defenders comic as we prepare for the Defenders TV show. Yeah, it's uh, TV shows uh, getting good reviews, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yep, People who have seen it are digging it. Um, look, I'll be honest with you. I'm already into Runaways. Oh man, uh, you know, <laughs> Defenders is old news. <laughs> Me, for you. Christine, and Eric, we're we're way into Runaways right, right now. We're figuring that out. Nice, but uh, I do. I'm excited to you get fondly remember Defenders. Yeah, <laughs> those halcyon days yeah. of defending the New York streets. Yes, very uh, nice. But yes, no Defenders, a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Very like. Just seeing those four characters banter and together, and then with their supporting cast, it's mm-hmm. so fun. Mm-hmm. It's so really, cool. really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it takes us back to when we were building the cinematic universe, and um, you first saw Avengers, and what a big deal that was. I mean, this is that again. It's it's the culmination of 
four different universes coming together and existing as one. I think it's really cool. Yep. I'm really uh, excited to watch it. For sure. Uh, also, tickets are now on sale for uh, Marvels and Humans mm. in IMAX. Mm. That starts uh, two weeks, three weeks yeah. in IMAX? Two it's weeks. coming up. Two weeks in IMAX, um, and then bing and a bang and a boom. You'll get to watch it on ABC if you yep. haven't seen it in IMAX, but that IMAX experience should be pretty dang cool. Yeah, and if you haven't already, for This Week in Marvel Unlimited Reading Club, we put up Fantastic Four from the original series, number 45 through 47, which is the introduction of the Inhumans. Uh, we will be discussing it next week. So read it. Uh, it's pinned on my profile on Twitter if you need a quick place to find it. Um, but yeah, go to those issues, check them out. Stan Lee, what's Jack your Twitter? Kirby. My Twitter is Ben J Morse, mm. not Ben Morse. No, that was taken. Yeah, will never be surrendered. To me. Yeah, he gets Can a you? he gets a little saucy. Oh, he gets so saucy, especially on my birthday. <laughs> uh, when people are like wishing him a happy birthday, he's like, "It's not my." He's, he's British, so he's like, "It's not my birthday, mate." Hello, um, <laughs> it's not my birthday. It's not my birthday. Yeah, very nice, nicely yeah. done. Thank you. Wow, awesome. you guys disappeared for a second. Yeah, it was Thanks almost that, like I, we I, transported. Oh my god. To merry old London town. Uh, before we, we dive into the comics, yeah. you have finished Wet Hot American Summer. I have. And your review. I loved it. It's tremendous. So much. This is our lives now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it did not go in the directions I was expecting it to go. Not at all. In so many ways. Uh, I did. I do have my issues with we some parts of the issues, ending. And I agree with you. I, yeah. I'm with you on your issues. But I also talked to some other folks and they were like, yeah, but I think you could take that, you know, however you want um and if if they do another series and they're if, supposedly doing another one and is it going to be about mckinley's yeah, 11 it's, it's about mckinley's 11 o'clock i am that's what i heard so into it all on board yeah 1000 yeah. percent on board yeah. yeah so that's great do you are you a wet hot guy no uh I mean, obviously, fan of the original film. I I was actually I was talking to a couple friends about the new series that just dropped, mm-hmm. uh, the new season, uh, and everyone kind of agreed in the best way that it's like the dumbest thing that could ever get made in oh, like yeah. in like the mm-hmm. f- finest way possible. Like, yeah. It's indulgent yeah. in its yeah. idiocy. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Yeah. And it's also smart and it. funny at other times. Absolutely. But um, it's yeah. very intentional. Like, <laughs> yeah, as someone who watched The State yes. when it was on TV uh-huh. and has followed many of these, you know, people in, throughout their careers, like, Stella, this is great. Other places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All, all the movies that they've made. Sure. I mean, yeah. It's Tom Lennon and Ben Grant are, like, Secret Hollywood masterminds behind so many projects. Really? Yeah. It's bonkers. Yeah. Night of the Museum, they wrote that. those. Um, they've so much. Read on 911, there's you yeah. know, a million things. And you look at like Ken Marino, he'll Ken pop Marino's up in everywhere. various, He's various things. Michael Showalter mm-hmm. is directing a bunch of things. Michael Ian Black has been in a million places. Mm-hmm. He's got books. He's all on the Twitters. Yeah. Like there's David Wayne directing a million things, yeah. like so many of them, and then they've brought in Paul Rudd and the rest of the cast that have become part of their They're part of their family their troop, yeah. Their, their uh, extended family. Have you ever seen the documentary? documentary? About, oh, yeah. yeah, that was really good too. Mm-hmm. You should check that out. Talk. I, I I I recently went back and watched some original like sketches from that mm-hmm. group, from like early days of when internet's comedy sketches started to exist okay. so are you talking about stella stuff yes yeah so that's not early their early stuff is the state and what was like their previous incarnation of the state i i gotta get i'm 
bring let's in the state DVD Look, for let's you. Help Early this guy relative out. to me. You're five years old. <laughs> So that's I it's true. I ha- I remember fondly. I had your state DVDs at one time for an extended period. Yeah, and I enjoyed them greatly. It's on. I think it's on Netflix too. Uh, it was at one point. It, it was on Hulu, but they took yeah. it off recently because I would just randomly put it on the background. Yeah, I watched it like years ago on Netflix, so it's certainly probably. Yeah, I bought anymore. all the episodes when they were originally digitized yep. and put on iTunes, so I have them there. <laughs> I have the DVD. I still have my VHS, the lone VHS that they officially released, which was Skits and Stickers. Nice. Stickers not included, mm. which is great because it actually, if I remember correctly, has the original music that yeah. didn't get yeah, put into the, the DVDs yeah. uh, because they didn't have the didn't rights, have the rights to it. Yeah. But I definitely still have the VHS that I recorded on my vcr of it from you know on mtv at the time and, and cbs so yeah what's the racetrack sketch porcupine, porcupine racetrack? racetrack yeah which is porcupine, the porcupine, height porcupine, porcupine yeah. racetrack come on porcupine racetrack is probably the pinnacle of art yeah oh, no wow. without a doubt it is without a, a masterwork <laughs> yeah you need to check it out michelangelo's dave no no big deal. Leonardo DiCaprio's Morning Lisa? Nah. Do you know that Leonardo DiCaprio is playing Leonardo da Vinci in an upcoming movie? Uh, I just heard that. Oh, yeah, I just saw that. All yeah. right, we're getting yeah. off track Let's here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, Let's talk comics. some comics, So man. sorry. So yeah, sorry. No. But if you like... Thanks if you for like, hanging with us. If you like humor, definitely watch Wet Hot American Summer. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we're going to talk about new comics this week. Uh, all right. I'll you go started, first. Yeah, you started off, man. First one is Generations oh. Wolverine and All New Wolverine, number one. AKA Generations The Best. <laughs> that is what it says. That's what on it's called. Yeah, yeah, that's what it says on the uh, Written by Tom Taylor, who writes All New Wolverine. And uh, art by Ramon, ba- uh, Ramon Rosanas. Yep. Colors by Nolan Woodard. And it opens up in Tokyo, Japan with Wolverine fighting hand ninjas. And it is dope. It's Wolverine in his classic yellow and blue costume. He's got the stripy sides. I, I love the way Ramon Rosanas draws Absolutely. everything. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the way he draws Wolverine is cool. Because he's, he's, like, Wolverine is this thick dude. He's, you mm. know, he's, he's not, you know, like, super buff bro, uh, svelte or anything. He's, like, he's got, he's like, barrel-chested if the barrel keeps going, like, all through his torso, like the full torso. <laughs> yeah. Barrel torso. Barrel torso. Very good. And you've got him fighting these ninjas, and it's sort of connected into the story of, you know, way back when with him and he's his adventures in Japan, his adopted daughter, his, you know, fiance, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's in the midst of that. And it's also at a time when Wolverine was very killable. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemed over the years he had gotten seemingly more and more invulnerable come back from anything i mean not in the end though because brother's dead yeah <laughs> suck it suck it wolverine and <laughs> sorry uh so, so sorry. there's this moment where he's like you know he's like this might be the end i don't you know i was the best there is at what i do yeah. and then he's like wait he hears a snick and then you just this dope shot of laura wearing totally badass leather jacket she like this shot reminds me of uh, I think of Brooklyn Nine Nine and Rosa. <laughs> yeah, like I just picture Rosa Diaz, like the the wow. woman who plays that character. Mm-hmm. Who I follow on Twitter, um, Stephanie, Stephanie Beatrice. Beatrice. Uh, she's great. Um, but her, like I see this shot, and I'm yep. just like, that's see that. that's Rosa nice. with claws, claws and, and the mask. mask on, and looks so bad. And she goes through and she starts cutting it up, and it's great because it's all narrated narration from Wolverine. 
uh, from Logan, and he is talking about he's never seen, obviously never seen her. I love before. how impressed he is. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's like that's what sticks with me. She moves like nothing I've ever seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's so graceful; they can't touch her. She's not as strong as me, but she's faster, mm-hmm. sharper. She's composed, like surgical. It's and he's like it's actually kind of scary. Yeah, it's dope. And then the two of them, like, there's this just beautiful shot of the two of them. Uh, he's, he's talking about how she's kind of scary and he says, and together, together we're a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is, it's awesome. It's, it's great. Awesome. They beat up all the ninjas, kill them, turn them into dust. And then like, as is the case with all Tom Taylor Wolverine stories, it goes from crazy violence to really funny, to really heartwarming, like from panel to panel, page to page. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a sword stuck in her back and there's this funny little bit where it, takes it out of her they track the hand ninjas they're going to figure out what's going on it ends up that you know there's just explosions and more ninjas and more problems and uh ninjas more problems yes exactly (laughs) and they're they're they go through and figure out that this is all a plot from Sabretooth. classic Sabretooth, like big bulky saber tooth mm-hmm. when he was like probably on the gas yep. you know, i don't know it's fair. it's fair he was a big dude uh he <laughs> he's got the big fur collar mm-hmm. he's just such a a, a no good nick mm-hmm. uh he has captured who is it akiko yeah akiko uh akiko who is wolverine uh his adopted daughter and uh he's about to kill her you know all this other stuff and of course x-23 is there and she takes him and they jump out a, a plane and she's hacking and slashing and they crash down and the two of them have healing factors but they are messed up mm-hmm. fortunately wolverine follows shortly after and it's just dope as violent as all get out there's claws through necks and in chests and you know nastiness abounds but my favorite part of the story are the quiet moments that happen at the end. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah, it's after they've they've saved the day, they get Akiko back and they bring her back to uh, Mariko yep. and settle this. Mariko doesn't even have to say anything. There's a story and it's all about, of course, Laura and Logan. And Logan, he's, he's, he's not a dummy. No dummy. He knows what's up. He's like, look, you know, I kind of, what do you... What's your deal? You from the future? You how how are we? And you know, and she's like ah, and he's like yeah, it's something like that. And there's just great bit of conversation where she's like, all right, I got I gotta go. And he's like, just come on in. You're telling me I should spend more time with my family. Mm-hmm. Seem like family to me. Come in, let's talk. You know, and then it just becomes this crushing bit of business where she's like, I'm sorry for the way I reacted. It's hard to see you, and you know. Uh, he says it's what we do we take our emotions we stab something with it that's the Wolverine way and he goes to bring her inside and then I don't want to spoil the last bits but man that hit me on the train I was reading it and I was just it was just something special some some salt got in my eyes and (laughs) got a little misty Mr. Fuji was there yeah Um, yeah the thing I'm loving about these generation specials is Look, we've seen Wolverine and Laura team up before. They've teamed up many times. But there's something about the absence of Wolverine in the present day 
and the way that Laura has gone on to really inhabit the space as a fully developed character, as a fully developed Wolverine, that makes this team up feel much more special mm -hmm. and much different than, you know, when they used to get together back in the day when she was clearly the lesser of the two and uh, he was the mentor. This put them on an even playing field. I think it was the same with the Hulk Generations one-shot, same with the Phoenix Generations one-shot, and these have just been a delight. And like you said, they've been great balances. They're, they're these great one-shots of, all right, get in, have some good action, but then really hit the character beats. And mm -hmm. uh, all the Generations one-shots have been like that so far. Yeah, and, and they've been all been great. This is hands down my favorite so far. Mm -hmm. Tucker, did you want to say anything about Generations? I... I totally echo what you're saying I, i've been i've really enjoyed all of them so far i think it's just i don't know it's it's just hitting the nail right on the head with all the histories that we know these characters have and loading it into one comic mm -hmm. and kind of juxtaposing them against each other uh and really just finding those emotional moments i mean you kind of know it's coming yeah but it w reading this one it was still somehow shockingly good yeah and just so emotional Loved it. That's what that, I think. That's a good way of putting it. These generations one shots, you know what you're gonna get with them, but they're done so well mm -hmm. that it's almost like still like, oh, this is a nice surprise. This is yeah. a happy accident. Not at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> moving on to Mighty Thor number twenty two, written by Jason Aaron. Little bit of art by Russell Dowderman, just the first page, and then a whole lot of art by Valerio Skitty, which is just beautiful stuff. Matthew Wilson colors Russell's page. And then Veronica Gandini and Rain Barreto color Valerio's pages. We meet Cinder, the queen of Muspelheim. Um, and she, I believe, is a new character. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I yeah. Mean, She's Surtur's daughter. So if you're an old school Thor fan, you know about Surtur. Big old fire demon. Nasty customer. Uh, this is great. Cinder's just this, this, this female villain who is just sadistic and terrible and represents all the bad things about... Uh, this world. She's meeting with Loki and Malekith. They're kind of saying, like, look, we've got this War of the Realms going on. It's time for you to jump in. She's saying, look, I've, I've done my part and, you know, I don't I don't really need you guys as allies. Um, and then, out of nowhere, it starts raining in Muspelheim. Yeah. Which it never does. There's a great moment where, like, some of the native Muspelheimians are <laughs> like, uh, what is wait? What's going on? Yeah. Is there a dragon crying? Yeah, yeah. Why would that happen? It's <laughs> yeah. What is this? This liquid falling from the sky doesn't taste like melted flesh. Maybe there's a dragon up there crying. <laughs> yeah, very good. Uh, th that's what Jason does so well. He makes these funny little moments in the midst of this epic, epic action. I mean, no, no action story I think is more epic than Thor right now i think jason and his collaborators are just on another level in terms of that but the war thor shows up good old volstag who now is crazy ultimate thor hammer wielding war thor and it's just this amazing battle between cinder and war thor uh the depiction of it by larry oskidi and his collaborators is phenomenal uh it's it's really intense really crazy stuff and it goes hammer against look at these sharks like they're so here's yeah, the thing on. i want to talk to jason about sharks i yeah. want to go to an like like i want to go <laughs> hang out with jason in a shark tank yeah, yeah. underwater because we've seen him uh, space, sharks. space sharks and now, now we've got fire sharks, sharks. so yeah. jason what's your shark Something's thing going dude? on with sharks but uh yeah the thor pits his hammer against cinder's uh blade as well as her 
fire and then our uh, Thor Jane Foster shows up she has a confrontation with War Thor she doesn't know who he is yet and they basically she uh, she takes the attitude of I'm not going to let anyone die in this war not even the what did you call them? The Muspelheimians? Muspelheimians. Yeah. Um, so she takes Warthor out of the picture and drags him away. Muspelheimanites? Yeah. <laughs> and, and this last page is the impending uh, war between Warthor and Arthor. Um, looks great. Like I said, yeah. Thor is one of my favorite books that comes out regularly. It's always at the top of my reading list. No one melds action with uh, character and humor and all the things you want to see quite like Jason Aaron does. He's got incredible artistic collaborators. Valerio Skitty absolutely kills this issue. It is just a huge, big action tour de force, and I loved every minute of it. Heck yeah. I love the name Warthor. Warthor! I, I want there to be like a rhyming, descriptive word in front of every single character like that. Okay, we'll work on that. Warthor. Yeah. Tambourine Wolverine? Yeah. Tambourine Wolverine! <laughs> so it's, that's the he best. Just goes around shaking a tambourine. <laughs> like, oh no, yeah. Wolverine's hey. coming. Everybody yeah. get out of here. He's, got, he's gonna kill you. The tambourines are just like balanced on his claws and he's just like shaking them up. Yeah. yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Good so, stuff. Yeah, we'll keep workshopping these. Yeah. Thank you. No, good Great. stuff. All right, Tucker, talk about your pick of the week. I read Star Wars Poe Dameron. I'm trying to think, like, Woe Poe? He he's not really sad in you're this not, issue. You're not, so you're not Joe Poe, he loves you're, coffee. You're not going to talk tambourine Wolverine. <laughs> Get up so and go, Poe. That one works. Yeah, that totally works. Yeah. Uh, so this is written by Charles Sewell, uh, art by uh, Angels Unzueta. Yeah. Uh, uh, cover great cover by Phil Noto, uh, and essentially we kick off on this alien planet uh, where the First Order has. Uh, taken uh, some villagers uh, and holding are holding them hostage in an attempt to find uh, a, a massive vein of thoralide crystals yep. on the planet that the the first order is trying to harvest and essentially these villagers aren't giving them anything they're saying that they used to resist the empire they said that they're resisting the first order now and that uh, uh, they're not going to budge uh, and as this is going on there's a kind of a there's a recon team of uh, of uh, resistance uh, soldiers and a new recruit whose name is Sir Linda Javos a journalist uh, uh, exactly which is I, I love that little detail mm-hmm. getting into the those kind of lesser uh, you know uh, uh, seen elements of the Star Wars universe. So we have Jess Kare, who are the two resistance soldiers, and Sir Linda Javos. They're kind of watching this all go down. Sir Linda is essentially just trying to get video of the atrocities that the First Order are committing to try and drum up support for the resistance uh, across the galaxy as a whole. Meanwhile, uh, touching on what's happened in recent issues, uh, uh, Poe and Snap are uh, looking for Adi Muva, who was uh, a character that made some bad decisions for the good guys uh, and kind of ran off. They're meeting with his wife to try and find him and bring him to justice uh, before the, fir- the First Order can find him and kill him. Uh, he's get- we- Then we jump to him getting tortured on a First Order ship. Uh, uh, we jump back to the alien planet where Jess and Kare 
uh, uh, get into a firefight with the First Order soldiers. Uh, Sir Linda uh, is kind of forced to take up arms in all of this. And uh, then she's captured and she essentially tries to use her crafty journalistic skills to get herself out of it and say, <laughs> look, there, how, yeah. about oh, a, oh, how about a quid pro quo? Uh, uh, when we, it's really interesting because we don't really know uh, whether she's being genuine or not. We kind of suspect she's not. We hope she's not. Uh, but uh, I, it's yet to be seen. Meanwhile, Poe and Snap are heading into uh, to find uh, Adi and they're coming in on this First Order ship and all of Black Squadron essentially is in uh, within sights of the First Order and it's left on that note and it's very kind ominous. of very yeah. s- really set up for uh, issue 19. Yeah. There, there's like been a bunch of stories and articles and stuff about um, the next Star Wars movie yeah. and I saw something talking about how ooh Poe Dameron he'll be you know so important to Leia's you know resistance and her plans mm-hmm. I'm like y'all should be reading Poe Dameron because yeah. that yeah. comic is giving you all the juicy goodness mm-hmm. it is setting up all this stuff obviously this takes place before um, Force Awakens, Force Awakens mm-hmm. but it still gives you an idea of why Poe Dameron is such an important part of the resistance of Leia's plans and will help inform, I imagine, everything we we see throughout this trilogy. Completely. It's so cool knowing that this book was probably written, was definitely written months ago and then there was just the Entertainment Weekly uh, special kind of series of articles about The Last Jedi that came out last week seeing the little notes in there about Poe and about where Poe might be heading in the future and then seeing them touched on in in this book and these little kind of dots about Poe's kind of resistance uh, no pun intended into kind of uh, uh, becoming a, a bit having a more leadership uh, a, a role um and seeing how that ties into the film and how that's going to continue to tie in as the the, the movies keep going. I mean, uh, it's a, a masterful web being woven, obviously, and yes. uh, it's it's just such a joy to see those little points pop up. Yes. Also a joy is ultimate squared number 100. 100. Wow. Uh, yes, so this is a sort of renumbering, taking in all the previous ultimates, books um and it is written by al ewing art by travel foreman Felipe andrade marco lorenzana and scott Hanna. colors by dan brown with matt yaki and this was a joy this was so great on the cover you've got this awesome cover uh which is also looks like it's by travel um that is the old ultimates from the ultimate universe captain america iron man and giant man crushing this ball that holds our you know our current heroes the ultimates america captain marvel um and blue marvel and then so it's you're obviously going to get this it seems like this cool fight but it opens up on the first page is text Mm -hmm. just this really cool uh just this line of text uh that is said from someone's perspective. Then you flip the next page and it's a white page. And then another white page with just four characters standing there and it's Galactus and the Eternity Watch. Mm -hmm. So they are, you've got your, if you think about, you've got the Avengers who are here. Then you've got the Ultimates who are 
dealing with crazy threats all across, you know, space and time and stuff like that. Members of the Avengers in there, sure. But then you've got another level up from them are the Eternity Watch. I would say several levels several, up from yeah, them. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> several levels up from them are Galactus and the Eternity Watch, which are, like, so cool. Uh, mm-hmm. These larger-than-life characters. Um, and then, a little tease, we're going to see levels above that mm-hmm. by the end of this issue. But they, this is all the stories. I just think so big. So big. All the threads and all the stories coming together. You've got the first firmament, who is this embodiment of the first reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of eternity, like old school eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, who eternity has, before it was eternity. Yeah, who is uh, trying to gain control again. He wants to come back and he wants to take over. He wants, he wants to be reality again. He doesn't like being, yeah. you know... 14th fiddle to the current eternity so he's trapped him who can blame him right you know he's got dark celestials he's killed all the celestials he's uh got all these plans and machinations he's using maker uh the reed Reed ultimate reed richards to help fulfill some of these things reed richards in turn is manipulating the high evolutionary so there's all kinds of stuff in play Fortunately, the Ultimates are trying to put a stop to it. Galactus and the Eternity Watch are sort of sitting outside reality, trying to see what their play could be so that they can make the most of their moves. Um, But we're on Counter-Earth, and it's finally the showdown between our Ultimates and uh, Maker and his crew. He has brought in the Ultimates classic from the Ultimate Universe, who are dead. Mm -hmm. He brought them back because, you know, he can. Uh, And so you've got... Wasp and Hulk, Giant Man, Iron Man, and Captain America. And this is, you know, it's that, like, weird, creepy, snarky, talkative Hulk mm-hmm. uh, from the old, you know, the older Ultimate comics. Um, then the, the battle ensues, and it has, and I tweeted this out, maybe one of my favorite pa- uh, punch panels of all time, mm-hmm. drawn by Travel Foreman, yeah. Blue Marvel and Hulk. And, you know, Hulk is like, Hulk is strongest one there is. Blue Marvel just standing there like, yeah, well... I dispute that. And it just lays into him. And the way it's drawn, you can feel the impact. Hulk's face is smashed up. Uh, Blue Marvel just destroys him. Mm-hmm. Just lays him out. Uh, Hulk's like, not not fair. And then the best part is, it's not. everybody's not like, all right, let's get into the fight. Giant Man's like, wait, did he, did he just do that to the Hulk? Mm-hmm. And then Iron Man is like, hey, can... Anybody down to just, like, talk about this? Let's talk this out. Of course, Captain America is like, we're going to get into this. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, great. There's a fight. You've got America Chavez versus Captain America. You've got uh, Wasp getting involved in things. You've got Giant Man freaking out, mm-hmm. which is great because he was very, like, freak outable, yeah. uh, freak, <laughs> freak out inclined yes. in the original well runs. Done. Captain Marvel just punches him in his big, dumb face. Uh, but ultimately, Reason sort of comes together and everybody's like all right great we could talk this out and maker is not having any of that there's a character who gets exploded mm-hmm. uh through all this maker showing that you know he's not not into it uh but he did not plan for uh, monica rambeau to be awesome she saves the day in a way that is very understated in this but she does a thing that helps them figure out what's going on they they start to put the pieces together High Evolutionary comes in, he's like, nobody crosses the High Evolutionary. Dope moment where he, whew, there's just like so many beats to this issue. It's like, go, 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 go. Then they're all trying to figure out, okay, great. 
now we understand Reed was manipulating everybody. Why was he manipulating? What's going on? The truth of things, the problem with eternity, the sort of the fact that evolution is slowing down, that reality is getting sincerely messed up, is coming to all of them, and they have to put their heads together to make things work. Uh, fortunately, you've got oh, just a ton of geniuses and super powerful people who can do this. Uh, this is a great moment where Lifebringer Galactus is, realizes what's going on. Eternity realizes what's going on. And it's it's like that moment in Return of the King, uh, not Return of the King, in The Two Towers where Gandalf comes back and he's mm-hmm. like, I come back to you now at the turn of the tide. And One week you'll go without a Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Never. I don't know when, but yeah. it'll happen. Uh, but then it just, oh, like, we, we've had these battles on this level of characters that we know sort of grounded in reality, and then it just gets huge. Crazy. It yes. just gets goes huge. Eternity remembers, and then bang, bang, boom, things go nuts. It takes on new levels of, I don't even want to say, it's battle, but it's, it's higher than battle. What's it's, the bit where they say like one of the characters is not there and we'll meet him later or something? Oh well, we, ha- we haven't gotten to that. We so there we're yet? in the superflow and the Eternity Watch is rolled in. Uh, Logos, who is you know the another pawn from of the first firmaments, who is the who's um, chaos and order merged together, mm-hmm. who has done a lot of this manipulating. Him and his dark celestials now going up to face. Uh, Galactus and the Eternity Watch. They have a ringer that they bring in. The Tiger God, mm. the first thing humanity ever feared, who is also uh, being sort of driven by T'Challa. Mm-hmm. So T'Challa gets to show up in this cool way. He's like ripping and tearing. Uh, we've got the what's the queen, the Never Queen, yep. the Queen of Nevers, who shows up. Not the only time she'll show up this nope. week. Um, she shows up, and there's all this talk uh, and this. Two page, this two page splash, that is this rebirth uh, of some characters in here. That is one of my favorite splash pages ever. It's beautiful and it is so. This comic is like a love letter to Jack Kirby and the ideas that Jack sprang forth. Uh, Jack and you know everybody else, but the designs, the big metaphysical weird cool things that jack was so perfect and amazing about alice tapping into that and and um uh everybody else is as well it's just it's really cool you've got this giant battle the good guys are making their moves things are happening and you think the first firmament still has a chance and he does he has a major shot at still doing things but no you get a, one of the greatest lines, Eternity saying, to me, my ultimates, which oh. is so fun. And then it opens up to another beautiful double page uh, spread of the ultimate ultimates. It's I, I was <laughs> so, cool. so happy reading this. It was like it was like wave upon wave of amazing, weird, big stuff that they were throwing out there. Um and it's yeah we get introduced to the assembled multiverses these ultimate ultimates i do not want to spoil it because like i i want so much more about all these characters and there is this note about the fourth is missing he is the pilgrim the true believer who journeys into mystery amazing one day he will return and there's a bunch of those like this is 
like distilled Marvel comics mm-hmm. to me. It make I, I I don't know how to express my love and joy for this book anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got this. There is like a resolution to this giant story. There's a lot of pieces put back together. There's new hope for some characters. Um, there is just a bunch of other things, and you know these characters sort of set into new places. Uh, and it's a feel good ending. It's you know because unfortunately it is an ending. Uh, I don't. I didn't realize this was the last issue of the series until we got there. You got a last page that is Al's note about this, and one thing that I was really interested in is um, Al in here talking about the Lifebringer Galactus, yes. Gold Galactus, because I remember way back mm-hmm. when when this the first Ultimate series was pitched, the f- one that Kenneth Rockefort was yep. drawing at the beginning that Al was writing. Um, when this series was coming together and it sounded so cool and the story that we were told was that oh you're, you're going to have this great story about Galactus and him becoming the life bringer and this cool thing that we've never seen before and then this tragic fall and as it was going on we were having they were telling this great story of Galactus and it felt so good and so pure and I was dreading mm. the fall of Galactus sure. and when the other shoe would fall and in here Al mentions that that was the original plan, but as things went on, those plans changed, and we never we lost Galactus a little for a short period of time. He got sort of messed up and infected, but we never we are left with this special character, this this Galactus that we have at the end, and maybe he gets changed back at some sure. point. But I love you. You've got this arc for Galactus that had. How do you even conceive of giving such a character arc mm-hmm. to this huge otherworldly being? And they, they've done it throughout this. On, in addition to introducing so many ideas and characters, it's really one of my favorite runs that we've had in a long time. Yeah. And Kenneth Rockefort um, helped out in the beginning, but really Travel, Travel Foreman here um, and Dan Brown and, and the rest of them, art has been just incredible. Incredible, incredible, incredible. I loved this book. Ultimate Ultimates. Yeah. Good stuff. All right, get out your hankies, nerds. It's time for Silver Surfer number 13. Nope. Nope. I I made my wife read it immediately after me. The story told by Dan Slott and Michael Allred. Of course, colors by Laura Allred. This is kind of winding down Silver Surfer and Dawn Greenwood's adventures. I don't know how much I want to spoil about this issue. Um, Basically, You could say it's got... The Never Queen. Yep, the Never Queen shows up. Uh, the man of Norville, the man of no possibility. He's uh, he's in the mix, but it all starts with Dawn wanting to go back in time to see her father one more time. So Surfer and Dawn try to go back in time. It actually ties into the previous Silver Surfer volume, where uh, they encountered themselves in the time stream when they were trying to escape the collapse of everything in Secret Wars. So there's a nice little bow put on that. But Dawn and Silver Surfer end up landing in, kind of to parallel all the stuff that was going on in Ultimates. I just, I love imagining, and I'm probably assuming correctly, that Dan had that planned, had this planned. Like, he just knew exactly, okay, this is how we're going to do this, and this is where, and that it all makes sense. And, you know, the Norval stuff, like, everything was just like, yeah, I'm just Dan Slot, and I figured it all out two, four years ago. I love that, uh, Surfer's power cosmic works differently 
in this they they go to the basically the previous reality the one that galactus lived in when he was gallon um and surfer's power cosmic hair with the kirby crackle shows up as squares instead of circles there's just something so brilliant about that yeah. it's just so it's just so good so dawn and the surfer disguise themselves they encounter gallon of ta who is really galactus or will become galactus and he basically says like i'm studying the end of this universe you guys are they pose as scientists. They're like, do you want to check this out with us? Surfers, like, we got to get away from here. We can't let him know who we are. We can't give anything away. But essentially, they are stuck in this universe. And they grow old together. And it's just this beautiful, beautiful commentary on the relationship between Surfer and Dawn. In the course of, like, two or three pages, we get to see this whole life they have together. They grow old together. Um, and then Dawn is on her deathbed. Uh, if you're not crying at this point, I don't know what's wrong with you. And uh, Surfer's there, and he's looking old, and she's looking old, and she basically says, like, look, I know that you've been making yourself look older. Please stop the illusion. Show me you as you. He cosmic powers up, and he's still, you know, eternally youthful. He's the Silver Surfer, but this woman he cares about more than any other person he's ever encountered in the history of the Silver Surfer, and they just have this amazing conversation where um, he calls her Earth Girl, she calls him Spaceman, he wants to know about, you know, them not having children, it's just devastating stuff. He asks if she has any regrets, that leads to this incredible double-page spread by the Allrids, which shows everything that has gone on the entire time that they've all been, the characters yeah, every, they've met all the every adventures. character yeah every character they've encountered uh classic marvel characters uh cosmic characters that have showed up it's just it's beautiful it's gorgeous and then dawn and surfer have their final moment together and it's just devastating like yeah i was in tears last night i gave it to my wife she was in tears mm-hmm. and then there's a final twist because uh, basically what they've been waiting for, the end of this universe, they've been living there for thousands of years, supposedly. No, they've lived six, like 60-odd years. 60-odd years? Yeah, they, they mentioned okay, they, they've that, been about so there. 60 years, Surfer was like, uh, we have a couple decades, maybe 100 years of the most until yep. reality collapses. Yeah, I also love, I forgot to mention the fact that uh, Dawn named all the months. <laughs> so, yes. like, there's, uh, this is uh, Friendtember 31st. <laughs> um, but, yeah, Surfer... Sees Galactus taken off in his ship. He becomes the Silver Surfer one more time. He is going to conclude. Dan Slott and Mike Allred and Laura Allred are going to conclude this adventure in the next issue. This was just an emotional roller coaster. Um, really heartfelt, really genuine. Just the Don Greenwood Silver Surfer relationship is one of the best in recent memory. Um, you want it to go on forever. The fact that it can't kind of breaks your heart. And where they end up is just it's 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 emotional, but and it's masterful how Dan and, and Mike and Laura have given them decades more happiness yes. than they could ever have gotten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the comic was if if this story kept going, mm-hmm. like you know, some crazy stuff would have happened. Yeah. If you know they this gave them gave the Silver Surfer so much more. Yeah, we got to see the beginning, the middle, and the end of his story. Yeah. And that is powerful in of itself. Yeah. Just an incredibly powerful comic. Yeah. Great stuff. And I know, you know, like we talked about with Al's, uh, Al and everybody on Ultimates, and Dan and everybody on Surfer, the stuff that they were able to do with mm. Galactus and mm. these cosmic entities and these bigger 
ways, bigger parts of the Marvel Universe mm-hmm. that have somehow humanized so much of it over the course of a couple of years. It's wonderful. Amazing stuff. Yes, indeed. All right. Uh, my last book is Unbelievable Gwenpool number 19, written by Christopher Hastings, art by Gudihiro, uh, who I posted some stuff from this book on Twitter, and people were like, oh, man, love this cover. Who colored it? Gudihiro. Who did the cover? Gudihiro. Who did the interiors? Gudihiro. They are two women who do the art uh, for this book and some others that we've loved. They are incredible. I don't know that this series would be the same without them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's possible because there's so much emotion and and acting done just by them, especially with Gwen. She's so emotive, mm-hmm. uh, you know, facial expressions, color, tone, you know, when she's running away, freaked out, when she's confused, when she's being, you know, sassy or when she's being annoying, when she's being angry, when she's being all these things. Like They take that to another level when she's happy like just this panel of her walking around happy uh on top of all that you've got this crazy fourth wall breaking story that we've been you know talking about on previous episodes of the podcast she is she's got incredible powers that that's really what it is she can go in and out of reality and for her that's just like oh yeah you know this isn't reality this is just a story and she dips in and out of things but to others, this is this is all they know. This is their reality. So she's got people from the future who are trying to stop her from something. What we fu- we actually find out a lot more about who she is, what she becomes, and what she does in this issue, which really de- definitely makes you wonder how does she get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end, we see a major manifestation of mm-hmm. that potential and that horror, and it is fantastic. There are definitely funny moments throughout all this, but it's getting, you know, there's a lot of darkness in this book and a lot of darkness behind Gwenpool and stuff. And it's it's such a great, great book. Uh, again, I feel like every time we talk about it, I'm like, do not sleep on this book just because right. it's like Gwenpool. and you. It's quirky. She's, she's wearing white and pink. It's, it, it's quirky, but yeah. there's so much more within these pages than you you probably expect. It's a very unique story. She's a very unique character. Uh, she's like nothing else we have in comics, and it's cool the way Christopher Hastings is rolling out this story. Yeah. Um, okay, we've got last pick for me is Star Wars number 34, written by Jason Aaron, art by Salvador La Roca, colors by Edgar Delgado. Mm-hmm. This is a solo story for uh, Sana. Sana, um, what's her... Her last name Staros. Yeah, I was going to say, we, she, previously we thought of her as Sana, Sana Solo, Solo, but Sana Staros. Yeah. She teams up with Lando. Uh, she's running a con. It's brilliant. There's just so many like clever reverses in this story. And really, Sana, who's this character who is not in the Star Wars movie, she was created specifically for the Star Wars comics, uh, you really come to enjoy her. She sells some weapons to some pirates. Then she goes and basically finds the Empire and said, like, hey, these pirates stole weapons from you. Um, here, I'm going to give you one back. And then she does a double reverse on the Empire and on the pirates. She makes a deal with Jabba the Hutt. She says, I'm going to sell you the remainder of these uh, these these weapons. Um, and this whole time, this whole time, Lando's just kind of with her, like, he's made a deal with her. 
that he's going to help her out. And Lando's really the sidekick in all this. He's just, you know, kind of like along for the ride and amazed at what Son is doing. And so you can have someone standing there kind of saying like, oh, my God, this stuff Son is doing is insane. She uh, she assaults one of the pirates who almost tries to get her. Then they get back on her ship and she reveals what her actual plan was to Lando. And it's brilliant. Um, the stuff she has been doing, the whole issue is great. It's really, this is a character odyssey for Sonostaros, and it really makes you fall in love with the character. At the end, she does fulfill her deal with Lando, uh, which is funny enough in itself. And then she also, uh, what she does with all the money she made over the course of the story, it's kind of a nice little touch too. So I just really enjoyed this. I enjoyed getting to know the character more and uh, all the cool stuff. Yeah, it was great. It was, uh, it felt like, so much more than one issue. Mm-hmm, uh, for sure. It was jam-packed. It was packed. Jam-packed. Jam-packed. All right, so on to the quick hits for the week. Uh, all new Guardians of the Galaxy number eight, written by Jerry Duggan, art by uh, the credits page, where'd you go? I think it's Marcus Toe. Mm-hmm, it is Marcus Toe. Yeah, look at me. I knew yeah. things. Yep. Uh, colors by Eve Svorsina. Um, and... Ben, I wanted to ask you. Mm-hmm. So there are these mega bands yes. that uh, were inside the Milano. They Correct. didn't know about them. That's a Cree weapon? It is Cree. What are the quantum bands? The quantum bands are Quasar's uh, bands. These are Captain Marvel's bands. The quantum Are these Captain Marvel's bands or are these like Captain Marvel's bands? That TBD. Okay. We don't know. I, I don't think we've revealed that in the story yet, whether they're the actual bands that Captain Marvel use or if they're just similar. But these are... Captain Marvel's bands. The quantum bands have like little bubbles and stuff on them, so that's how seemingly you can... much more powerful. Yeah, they uh, these yeah these are a little more commonplace. Yeah, you know, just you just leave them laying around. These are your standard superpower yeah. space weapons. Is yeah. there someone that plays tambourine in these bands? <laughs> Jesus, glad you're here. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for sticking around. Tucker. Made my contribution. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but the uh, the guardians are under attack by the Raptors, who are previously so. Darkhawk, mm-hmm. if you know him, he's a member of Who this doesn't? group. <laughs> prob- probably many probably people at this people. point. Yeah, uh, and he's a member of this Raptor group, which we didn't know about. I don't, did we know about that in his original run? Was no. that established? No, 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 no. no, this was all uh, War of Kings stuff. Yes. Uh, so this Raptor group are kind of like the Nova Corps, but for the Shi'ar, yeah. essentially. And much more corrupt. Much more corrupt and dangerous and yeah. messed up. Um they are they they're sort of broken off from their previous duties they're still this group of raptors still very dangerous very powerful but they want these mega bands to do no good stuff i'm sure uh so peter quill is fighting the good fight he's got one on one of the raptors has one on uh there's a lot of great fights in there you've got uh rocket who is dying Mm -hmm. uh from poisons and it's just a lot of fun stuff a lot of uh, really cool little character things. There's a great point where uh, Gamora is sort of has rockets strapped to her like so a great. baby. Yep. It's really funny. Uh, but finally, I think next issue we're going to get more of the group mystery to come to light. Yeah. Amazing Spider-Man: Renew Your Vows Number Ten, written by Ryan Stegman. We're never going to hear the last of this. Oh boy! I'll tell you that much. That's a good issue too. It's which, a, which is a real uh, shame. Yeah. Uh, art by Nathan Stockman, who we love. Yeah. Colors will, by Jesus Apertov. I will Go say on. that this is a focus on Normie Osborne. Yep. Written by Ryan Stegman. Yep. And all I can think of, you know what? 
That seems appropriate. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah if anyone's going to introduce us to the world of Normie Osborne, let it be Ryan Stegman. And get in the head of yep. a, you know. Murderous kid. Yep. Yeah. That's definitely. Ryan Stegman. Stegman. You call, who do you who do you call when you need someone to get in the head of a sociopathic child? Call Stegman. Yep. Um, so Spider-Man and his daughter are having a fight with Lizard and his son. Oh, it's so sweet. Um, <laughs> a lot of nice parent bonding stuff. Meanwhile, Normie Osborne is having his birthday. He hates cake. He hates birthday parties. He's pissed Look, about all this. I feel, actually, I kind of agree with him. Agree with him? Yeah. And you hate, Hi, guys. You hate birthdays, too. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I just don't see the point. You've never, you've never enjoyed birthdays. Um, we learn a lot more about Normie. We learn about his motivations. We get a few flashbacks to how um, his relationship with Spider-Man and their antagonism uh, first formed, what it has to do with his father. Norman, Normie, has a bunch of pumpkin bombs. He goes and attacks the lizard who has broken into his uh company um spider-man and and um his daughter show up they they basically get into a big fight with the lizards uh normie's in the middle of it he wants to fight but spider-man's daughter says no uh spider-man and his daughter have such a nice moment um that's great where she goes he goes this is the second time you've saved my bacon today i'm so proud of you they have a nice hug it's a beautiful moment but then we flip the page to normie um and remembering what happened to his father and remembering what role spider-man played in it and that's kind of a heartbreaker but we see why normie is so motivated to go after spider-man and his family it's uh good stuff by ryan stegman yeah yes it is and nathan stockman man nathan stockman is so good. good Let's get him doing more. Yeah. Uh, out, of, out of the clutches of Stegman, hopefully. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. What if he gets stuck working with Stegman forever? That's... Stockman and Stegman, though. Stockman and Stegman. <laughs> the dream team. Stock and Steg, your yep. men of action. Yep. All right. You know what? I'd, let's jump uh, Let's jump back to me, because okay. we're going alphabetical. we got to talk about Astonishing X-Men Whatever you want to do, Haas. All right. We've got uh, Astonishing X-Men number two, written by Charles Soule, art by Mike Diodato, colors by Frank Martin, I believe. Uh, Can we... Can yes, we just talk please. about that cover for a second? Oh, my God. It's so creepy. That cover, mm, mm, top of the mm, covers of the year, somewhere. In, it's got to be somewhere it's in, in the mix. Whew. You've just got the X-Men Whew. sitting in what looks like a movie theater, but they're all skull-faced. It's weird. Jamie Madrox, who is dead, kicks off this issue because it's all taking place on the astral plane. And basically this weird play that uh, Charles Soule has put together, um, what's happening is... The Shadow King is playing a game with Professor X, who who knows where he came from. Is he alive? Is he dead? But they're basically uh, playing a game. And this is kind of Charles Soule expanding on the character of the Shadow King. The Shadow King's always been this creepy telepath who shows up, takes control of people. Uh, Charles kind of ups the ante on that and says, like, he needs to have you go through these weird motions and he needs to take control of you on the astral plane. He needs you to believe a fiction that he has created for you. And that's what they're trying to do to the X-Men. They're trying to make them think that, uh, or Shadow King's trying to make them think that they're pawn, there's pawns in this game. Back in the real world, Bishop, Angel, and Psylocke are debating what to do for the greater good as far as keeping the Shadow King contained. Uh, there's a bizarre thing with Kitty Pride and Colossus doing this like Romeo and Juliet shtick, but then they turn into Gambit and Rogue and Colossus is dressed as Rogue, and Kitty's dressed as Gambit, and it's a whole thing. And then uh, we get Old Man Logan being the first one to kind of cotton to what's going on, and uh, he can't be manipulated, and then things start breaking down. Mike Teodato just illustrates this 
gross stuff where it's these skeleton X-Men fighting our X-Men. Phantom X is all pissed off that he didn't see through the illusion. Uh, someone is not who they claim to be. There's a lot of twists and turns that ultimately brings us to uh, a series of three doors that the X-Men have to walk through. And we find out that um, Professor X's motivations are not necessarily what we thought they were. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. All right, on to Black Panther and the crew, number five, written by Tanahasi Coates, pencils by Butch Geist with Mark Chetter and Stephen Thompson, inks by Scott Hanna and Chetter and Thompson, colors by Dan Brown with Paul Mounts. Uh, this is uh, issue, you know, sort of unraveling this mystery of who killed Ezra and what's going on. Uh, some stuff in the past with this original super team, which is super cool. Took a turn I wasn't expecting. But then now a lot of the focus is on uh, Manifold, which is cool. Uh, talking a little bit about, you know, who who he is, what his deal is, where he's come from, him being Australian, yep. but now being in Harlem and how he his feels relationship at home. To Gateway. Oh, Gateway. Gateway. I love Gateway. Um, but him being feeling at home uh, in Harlem and then dealing with the Americops. There's just this really fantastic splash page in the middle of this badass fight, and you've got the rest of the crew mm-hmm. flying, you know, like floating down, saving the day. Luke Cage looks so uncomfortable. Yeah, he's like, why? Uh, Black, Black Panther is not even in his Panther suit. He's just mm-hmm. in like a regular suit, and he's just like, what's up? I'm here. Uh, it's so great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but a lot of the stuff we're, we're getting to the core of the mystery and seeing some things come together. Generation X number five, written by Christina Strain, art by Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque, and colors by Felipe Sobrero. This is a spotlight on iBoy, whose powers are going nuts. I love the art in this book. Uh, this is the first I've seen of Albuquerque's work, and it's really, really cool stuff. It's just kind of dirty and... Uh, is very nuanced and very cool. iBoy's powers are out of control. He sees Chamber naked. Let's just put that, you know, where it's got to be. Um, he's trying to figure things out. Uh, things are going missing from the Xavier school. Uh, things are just like disappearing. So there's a thief going on in somehow. This ends up being a team up between iBoy and Nature Girl because Nature Girl is the one person who he still sees normally. He's not like seeing through uh, their bones or looking through that. And he iBoy spots this raccoon, uh, this hairless raccoon. It's furless raccoon. It's disgusting. Who is um, who is uh, a scavenger of some sort, representing uh, another villain. They go to the sewers, and the villain takes control of Nature Girl and all her uh, animal friends. iBoy gets to actually step up and do some cool stuff, which he doesn't always get to do with uh, his kind of bizarre powers. It's just a fun issue. It's mm-hmm. just a quirky, weird. These characters are great. Um, Christina does a lot with them, and she really advances it. So you really invest in the friendship between iBoy and Nature Girl, and uh, you want to see more of it. Definitely. All right, we've got Invincible Iron Man number 10, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Stefano Caselli, colors by Marte Gracia with Israel Silva, and this is there's a big international incident, and who's at the core of it? Riri Williams. Oh my god, I love this issue. This is so so, good. so fun. Uh, Shield is going to Latveria because some big stuff is heading is has happened, and there's a new regime, and the Queen of Latveria happens to be Riri Williams. And we find Go out figure. how that happened, but she is she's very idealistic and trying to do the best for these people who, frankly, have been shafted over and over again yep. since Doom has left. 
Uh, they've got different people who are trying to take power. Uh, most recently, Von Bardis, what is it, Maria Von Bardis? Mm -hmm. and Lucia she, Von Bardis? Lucia, thank you. Yep. Uh, who, she's just all kinds of trouble, mm -hmm. very bad. And Riri is just like, mm, but like people just want to eat and they need schools and all this other stuff. Uh, there's a great moment where now that Riri has essentially become queen of this uh, this country, uh, her mom gets a, a knock at the door and some big stuff is going down. <laughs> There's just two pages of a mom having to deal with their ch their child, and I think it's it's a really funny Bendis mm -hmm. scene in here. Uh, but telling the story of how this happened to Riri, what's going on, what could possibly go down for her, we shall see. Uh, and then allusions to uh, the issues that we've been hinting at with... AI Tony Stark. Yeah, uh, something's up. Previous issues. So something's amiss. V shall see. V shall but see. But it was great. All right, Luke Cage number four, written by David F. Walker, art by Nelson Blake the second, Marcio Menez on colors. Dr. Noah Burstein is alive, and it changes everything for Luke Cage. Luke thought of this guy like a father figure. We get some flashbacks seeing how he made Luke many is. There's stuff going on with Warhawk. There's stuff going on with these gangs. Basically, Burstein has been experimenting on a lot of different people and it's had a lot of different results. Luke is really the only one who's come out of it as this stable hero. Uh, but we've got this gang of kids. Um, we've got a mob boss. We've got all sorts of, we've got a, a projection of some guy who we don't know who he is. So there's a mystery big bad going on in the midst of this. But Luke is just having his heart broken, man, because his, uh, his father figure is not who he thought he was. And we learn a lot more about Luke. We learn a lot more about these guys. There's this crazy weapon which can cut through Luke's skin, so the stakes are raised, and anything can happen now, and uh, Luke's in a lot of danger. He indeed is. We've got Monsters Unleashed number five, written by Colin Bunn, art by Ramon Box, colors by Chris Sotomayor, mm -hmm. and you've got giant Voltron-ish monster fighting against giant Voltron-ish monster. They're just monsters who are... Giant and Voltronish? Yeah, they're. I, when I say Voltronish, I don't mean that yeah. they are robots. It means they, they combine. Are, yeah, they they're are, littler ones that combine into a bigger combiners. One. Everyone knows what Voltronish means. Correct. It's, I'm it's glad. in the dictionary. Yeah, it should be. Yeah. Uh, but there's this big fight. You've got the Intelligentsia who are trying to manipulate uh, Kai Kawade. And you've got Mole Man who's helping out in the fight because all his monsters are dead. And he's got this whole sad story. Uh, but it's a lot of great stuff. Ultimately, it makes me really like Mole Man yeah. and want to see him on the side Absolutely. of good. It's yeah. like a redemption arc for yep, him. For sure. Really, really cool little tale. Uh, and I dug it. There you go. Marvel's Thor Ragnarok Prelude number four, uh, basically adapting the Thor The Dark World screenplay from Christopher Eliost and Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Story by Don Payne and Robert Rodat. We get it here courtesy of writer Will Corona Pilgrim, artist J.L. Giles, and colorists J. David Ramos and Andres Mosa. Catching you up with everything you need to know before you see Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Royals, number six, written by Al Ewing, art by Kevin Labranda. Uh, we start in the far future where Maximus and Novar are still alive and they are traipsing over this wasteland and the guy who's with them keels over dead. We don't really know what's going on there. Meanwhile, back in the present, uh, Medusa has led this expedition of Inhumans where they are now on Hala, and uh, Marvel Boy has given up his Plex in intelligence. It's like this mini-supreme intelligence that he can unleash. Yeah, he's basically... Uh 
allowed it to become the supreme intelligence become a new supreme intelligence they hopefully better more benevolent yeah heartbreaking scenes between ronan and crystal uh not heartbreaking for me she gets exactly (laughs) what she deserves maximus uh what does he say it's amazing um Woe is me. I lost yet another husband. You know, cousin, eventually you're going to have to admit that the common factor is you. Thank you, Maximus. Gets to the <laughs> cuts to the quick of what's going on with Crystal. We get the return of the Universal Inhumans, which was this great concept from back when Jonathan Hickman was writing Fantastic Four. Uh, they interact with Medusa, who is dying, and also with Maximus. Uh, this awesome, from Power Pack Chameleon, uh, horsehead warrior guy takes gorgon he's like hey let's go get a drink you are obviously in a lot of pain and we need to figure out what's going on with you bad stuff happens to the two of them worse stuff happens to the warrior and then um we get this beautiful last page of this oh i'm not gonna say who it is because it's a mystery villain it's a last page reveal uh if you read power pack it's basically the power pack arch villains um you have no idea who they yeah, are. Yeah, so thankfully, <laughs> next to this final page of art was yeah. the like recap page telling you, hey, here's where you can find yes. out more about all these things. And this I was is like, like the recap page to end all recap pages. Yeah, it, it gives you it's amazing. so much. So if you much want to dig stuff. in further, there's a ton. Yeah, you have absolutely every opportunity. But so much crazy stuff going on, Royals. I love the way that Al Ewing is drawing on other people's work, whether it's Hickman's in Fantastic Four or, like I said, using characters from power pack who haven't been used in years really exploring the marvel universe with the inhumans and playing them off against each other also he just disses crystal left and right so yeah this is my book of the week i'm just kidding <laughs> uh, this artist who is it Ken, kevin lebrando kevin lebrando great stuff. uh i've not seen his work before no no i remember and yeah, so i really loved it. it really really good yeah. we've got a secret empire tie-in this week brave new world number five this is i believe the final issue of this limited series uh, you've got three stories in here. The first is a Blade story written by Simon Spurrier. Wilfredo Torres has Blade wearing an awesome sweater. Yeah, so, and I, I've missed Simon Spurrier. Yeah. Where too. has he been? Uh, I don't know. Doing yeah, other stuff. Doing other stuff. But uh, give me a million books with Blade wearing a cool sweater. Absolutely. happy. Yeah. Uh, you've got a Domino story called Super Hot written yeah. by Leah Williams, art by Victor Ibanez. What? I just I just like that story. I thought it, it was, was funny. Yeah, it was really funny. It was really yeah. great. It's Domino's. It's like a a beach story. Yep. It's great. Domino's and like beach blanket bingo. Yeah, she's in like these little shorts and a bikini top, and she's hunting someone. Uh, it's it's great. It's really funny. Um, and then finally, you've got the Invaders, um, part five of that story, written by Paul Elor, art by Brian Level, and it unites. Uh, some of your classic Invaders characters together and sort of clears the decks for Namor and Atlantis a bit. Spider-Man 2, number 2, written by Brian Michael Bendis. Beautiful art by Sarah Pacelli. Beautiful colors by Justin Ponzor. A week ago, the two Spider-Men teamed up to fight Ultimate Taskmaster. It's a great fight. Um, They are overmatched. Ultimate Taskmaster is a complete badass. Bendis writes them really well. Um, We've got the great just bonding between the two Spider-Men going on. Between Miles and Peter, uh, the shtick and the quipping is all very good. It's all brilliant. Um, and Peter trying to serve as a mentor here, not necessarily hitting it out of the park with that one. Miles Morales with a little uh, pre-Bone Zone action, trying to get trying to get into the Bone Zone with this uh, girl he goes to school with, Barbara Rodriguez. Well, they are they too young for the Bone Zone? 
They're too young for me to feel comfortable about talking, talking about, about the it. bone zone. Well, we've already, yeah. I mean, we're there. We're, we're living. Um, I refrain from this yeah. conversation. Um, Peter is trying to find out, uh, they're trying to find out more about the Miles Morales of this universe. Because obviously, Miles Morales that we know is the Miles Morales formerly of the Ultimate Universe. Peter knows that there's a Miles Morales in this universe. They don't know much about him. So, of course, they go to Jessica Jones to help uh, find more. He's, she has already met up with Miles Morales before. Uh, we get this great montage of her going on an what she calls an exhaustive search to find out more about Miles Morales, which includes um, her at a Dazzler concert, her and Spider-Woman beating up the Jester, getting punched by a giant fist, and just hanging out with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. All great stuff. So, uh, Miles Morales of Marvel, the Marvel Universe has something going on with Taskmaster. Um, there's a kind of difference of opinions between the two Spider-Men and next issue we're going to get Miles Morales versus Miles Morales. Dun, dun, dun. Miles Morales. Uh, Alright, we've got Totally Awesome the Hulk number 22. Did you say Totally Awesome the Hulk? No. I think you did. Totally Talker. Awesome Hulk. Number, I abstain. Number 22. <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> uh, this is the conclusion to the Weapons of Mutant Destruction crossover with the Weapon X book and that team. Uh, this is written by Greg Pak, art by Robert Gill, colors by Nolan Woodard. Um, and it's, you know, Amadeus Cho is like, don't kill anybody, don't kill don't anybody. Don't kill anybody, guys, guys, don't kill anybody. But the Weapon X crew, they're all like, look. Kill everybody. We want to kill these people. Yeah. They were trying to murder us, mm -hmm. as well as every mm -hmm. mutant on the planet. They're basically making monsters to do that. We should kill them. And Amadeus is like, no. no. And uh, what ends up happening, you've got these crazy Hulk hybrids that are unleashed on the team domino and warpath are trying their best to hold them off uh for amadeus to get there and sort of take the fight uh but they they need a full power really angry hulk yep. and amadeus has to let it loose and you get this beautiful splash page yeah. of amadeus in his mind unleashing the hulk uh, it's so cool it's badass and then you get full hulked out cho just going to town and then we get to see the Weapon H, mm. finally, or Alpha mm. H Alpha, whatever he's called. There's two Weapon Hs. Two Weapon Hs. Alpha and Beta. Alpha and Beta. Yep. Great. Thank you. You're Alpha welcome. finally gets unleashed because Beta has taken uh, Hulk to town, uh -huh. and Alpha is a little different. He's little got bit. a little bit of a mind, and he's still got all the, the weapons, but uh, the fight ensues, and it does not go exactly how everyone planned it to. Uh, there's a great moment where Lady Deathstrike has to save some people. Uh, another she moment where Domino sees all the money that she's not scooping up. And mm -hmm. there's a lot of funny bits in the midst of all the crazy action and cool stuff and character things. And Amadeus just being like, I don't want any part of you jerk faces. U.S. Avengers number nine. It is a Secret Empire tie-in written by Al Ewing, art by Paco Medina, inks by Juan Velasco, and colors by Jesus Abertov. Uh, Citizen V has gone back to being Sunspot for a little bit. Does a jailbreak against the forces of Hydra, runs up against Red Hulk, so we get a little Sunspot versus Red Hulk stuff. Meanwhile, in Europe, Squirrel Girl is leading the European heroes, uh, whether it's Peregrine or uh, Guillotine, Captain Britain, Excalibur, Ares, all these great characters uh, all taking on Hydra. Uh, Sunspot manages to get Red Hulk free. They all team up to give Hydra what for. And this this is just a really nice win for the heroes. After everything that's gone wrong in Secret Empire, uh, it's a nice win for the heroes. Yeah. There's some great character stuff between Enigma and Tony Ho. Um, and just 
just a great array of characters. And uh, next issue, we're going to find out what happened to Cannonball in a story that had to be called Cannonball Run. Ah, mm. he's not in Kansas anymore. He's sure not. He's it? sure not, Ryan. You know what I mean? You get it? I abstain. Great. Uh, we've got X-Men Blue, number nine is the last book of the week, and it is a Secret Empire tie-in written by Colin Bunn, art by Corey Smith and Tony Silas, colors by Matt Mila and Irma Nivila. I thought you were about to say earmuffs. Nope. It's like, what, what, can t- <laughs> what can Tucker not hear? Uh, but we've got this throwdown in New Tien as the X-Men, along with Danger and Polaris, are going up against these... Uh, Emma Frost, X-Men, uh, Havoc, and Polaris get a throwdown. And there's a great moment where Polaris is like, please, just just stop. Yeah. Like, don't do this. And, you know, Havoc's like, yeah, I'm a jerk. Emo Havoc. Yeah, Emo Havoc. And yeah. she's like, you know what? You want to play dirty? I've been taking it easy on you. Because, Let's do this. you know, yeah. uh, stuff. And then she just throws down. She proves how badass and awesome she is. Uh, you've got cool stuff with Jimmy Hudson and Jean Grey saving the X-Men. Danger being fantastic uh and ultimately emma frost trying to manipulate as many people as she can to get her ways uh some really interesting stuff with scott summers and gene and emma and uh a great page of magneto and captain america having a little talk if you Uh, will yes uh really cool and then that last page mystery of what the heck guys all right that's all the single issues for this week collections on sale this week we've got avengers the initiative complete collection volume 2 deadpool 2099 guardians of the galaxy mother entropy heroes for hire by dan abden and andy lanning the complete collection punisher suicide run which i'm currently trying to read uh trying i have not i've been what because you have a baby yeah <laughs> uh, yeah, let's 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 leave it at that. Um, Sif Journey into Mystery Complete Collection, Unbelievable Gwenpool Volume Three, Totally in Continuity, and Wolverine by Daniel Way Complete Collection Volume Two. Cool. Uh, on sale on the Marvel app this week, we've got Fallen Angels one through eight. Of course. Uh, as w- <laughs> what what was that? Fallen Angels is a book with uh, Sunspot and a bunch of weird New Mutants characters from the eighties. It's I've never was read that it. Rusty and Skids were they in that? Maybe who knows? I've never read. I think Boom Boom's in it. Okay. So there you go. Uh, Marvel Adventures Spider Man two and four through twenty four. Punisher, 85, uh, 86, 87, 88, and Superhero Squad, 2 through 12. Why didn't you say 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12? I didn't want to. That's fair. That's a lot. That's fair. Yeah. Digital collections on sale this week. Avengers Heavy Metal, Deadpool 2099, Punisher Suicide Run, which I'm trying to read right now, Thor Masterworks Volume 11, (laughs) Thor Masterworks Volume 12. Why didn't you just say Thor Masterworks 11 and 12? Oh, man. You're right. Touche. Uh, unbelievable Gwenpool Volume 3, Totally in Continuity, and X-Men, Fallen Angels. Uh, Tucker, why don't you tell us what's on Marvel yeah, Let me take some of the load off of, the, off of you guys. Yeah, thanks, yeah. Tucker. Little, you do. Or as Nick Lowe calls him, Hunter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were in a meeting yesterday, and he very confidently said, Hunter, anything to add? And, and I was just like, I'm gonna, super close. I'm going to really try close. to remember to call you Hunter. Yeah, you should, you should call him Hunter at every opportunity. I mean, it's kind of like... I, I, I don't know. I, I tuck. I don't hunt. Just read this. Anyway, uh, freshly digitized comics on Marvel Unlimited. We have uh, all-new Wolverine number 17, Amazing Spider-Man Annual from 2001. Number one, Amazing Spider-Man. Renew Your Vows, number four, Black Widow. <laughs> I like how you demanded that you renew your vows. 
Uh, Black Widow number 11, Deadpool the Duck number 3, Defenders from 1972, 110 to 125, Doctor Aphra number 4, Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer Supreme number 5, Doctor Strange slash Punisher and Magic Bullets Infinite Comic number 7. Fool Killer number 4, Guardians of the Galaxy number 17, Incredible Hulk from 1999, 30 to 33, Inhumans vs. X-Men number 4, Journey into Mystery from 1952, 18 to 22, Kingpin number 1, Marvel Universe, Guardians of the Galaxy number 17, Miss Marvel number 15, Power Man and Iron Fist number 13, Strange Tales from 1951 number 89, Totally Awesome Hulk number 16, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl 17, Uncanny Inhumans 1.MU, and Unworthy Thor number four. Brilliantly done. Yeah. That, well was, done that was the best it's ever been. Done. You hunted and talked. <laughs> yeah, you hunted oh, and talked. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's throw it over to the interview I did with Tom Brevoort and Alana Smith on Defenders. Then let's take a trip out west, see how Eric and Christine are doing. And then we'll be back with uh, questions and comments. How's that sound, Ryan? Sure. And now, from Marvel headquarters, it's this week in Marvel News. Hey, everyone. We're back in the news section of This Week in Marvel. We have two of my favorite guests, Alana Smith. Hello. And Tom Brevoort. Hello, Ben Morris. And guys, <laughs> today is the day that on Netflix, uh, a new Defenders television show is premiering. Tom, did you ever see the day? Technically, that's tomorrow from my point oh, of right. view. But when people are listening to this, they're already in the future. In the future. Where a Defenders podcast. TV yeah. show is a reality. A Defenders TV show, Tom. Did you ever think you'd see the day? <sighs> that's kind of a... There's two parts to that. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know that I ever thought I would see a Defenders TV show, and I don't know that I ever thought I would see this Defenders yeah, TV sure. show, because <laughs> this Defenders TV show is not what we historically would have thought of as the Defenders, Defenders. you know, the Defenders of the 70s or 80s or right. whatnot. So, you know, I certainly thought probably at some point I would see a Daredevil TV show. Mm -hmm. You know, he's one of those characters that, you know, while he was in movies and they did movies, seems like he adapts very nicely to, to uh, you know, television. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just because of the world, it's a very grounded, street-level thing, and even the powers he has and things are not things that are so expensive to do. Uh, even even to the degree of a Spider-Man, where you couldn't potentially do that and make that look good on a television budget, he's like a perfect television character. I thought. Right. Um, yeah, same kind of thing with Luke Cage. You know, back back in the day, you know, I was I was one of the guys proselytizing that you know, Power Man Iron Fist should be a TV show. Hmm. Just do it as a TV show. You don't even need the costumes. Like mm -hmm. they're just, and that's kind of what you've ended up getting is, mm. you know, they're so iconic even without the costumes. As long as Danny has the, the the the, the chest branding and his hand glows, and Luke is, uh, you know, a big dude <laughs> who looks like you know bullets bounce off him. You're 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 fine. Um, and you know, I never thought that a Jessica Jones show would come, but that's mm. only because she didn't exist when I was reading the comics. Yeah, <laughs> she hadn't been invented yet. But you knew uh, somehow. But I knew. Deep down. Yes, I knew that that character that I didn't know wasn't good, it was was maybe not going to be a TV series until it was somehow. Yep, yep. But uh, but yeah, it's a big. I mean, it's it's, it's, it's a big thing just as a as a as a as a show. It's you know, it's the same thing but different as as Avengers as a movie. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, and that's for all that you know. You can point to Avengers now and go, "See, look at that! They did that." And it's, you know, that was a that was an amazing thing and remains an amazing thing. And seeing that done, you know, similarly but different as Defenders on TV is no less amazing for that. Here are four shows that are going to be one thing together, all right. this stuff in one. That's the essence of the superhero team comic and really the event comic in a nutshell. You know, the, the promise of that, the promise of the team comic, you know, particularly something like an Avengers or Defenders, is all your favorite guys in one Thing, fighting big stuff that's really important to all of them and you know for, for your for your uh, you know your your four bucks or your 25 cents or whatever you know <laughs> whatever iteration of, of a coinage in between uh, you know you get more for your money you get more than just the, your one favorite superhero you get a whole bunch of them uh, and this is just like that and that's cool and it's not even just here's a team of heroes they've all got shows they've all got episodes and you know aspects and elements of those shows other cast members villains they fought things that they've done all apply to this show that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Very cool. You know, it's it's like Charlie's Angel solving a crime on the love boat, but there's a whole season of it. <laughs> exactly like that. Exactly like that. Now, you guys, of course, are working on a Defenders comic, mm-hmm. even as the Defenders TV show comes out. Tell me what that's like, Lana. Uh, I mean, it's cool. Like, like <laughs> obviously. Um, like, I, I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting thing, because we're, you know, we're telling one story in ours, and... I know very little about the story they're telling in theirs, mm-hmm. but, you know, having worked on the comic, like, working on any comic, you get to feel more attachment and ownership of those characters. Like, like any character you work on, in theory, should be a character that you eventually become kind of attached to. Um, so it's fun now seeing those characters who, like, over the past few months, I've, I've come closer to and and you know felt more ownership of like seeing them on the big screen like punching each other and and doing flips and stuff is pretty cool yeah. uh so yeah yeah tom was there any reticence when you first decided to do the book about using the defender's name like you said on concept that's not defenders or was it just a sense that they're doing this in tv well no i think i think as soon as you know as, you know particularly since tv is us too yes uh, and it's actually really close to us you yes, know that's overseen close. by dan buckley right. our our president and publisher just mm-hmm. as as editorial is so it's kind of a unified thing once that decision once that choice was made and it's a name that works really well for those for those for characters sure, for sure. in some ways it works better than it does for the classic defenders right. who were sort of you know well I like those comics or at least some of them and I like those characters they're much more an oddball hodgepodge mm-hmm. of of uh, uh, you know creatures and misfits and outsiders and you know for years they were the non-team because they were all <laughs> the guys you couldn't put on a team because they were so antisocial but somehow you put them all on a team together mm-hmm. and they're the non-team that teams up all the time and <laughs> you know battles non-enemies in their non-adventures mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, the, the defenders speaks to what the characters do and what they're what they're trying to accomplish and what they're about it feels like a pretty good fit it's just again the only part that's that's discordant is just that nostalgic you know oh there were comics yeah 
but you know, in, in a sense, that's no different than Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians sure. of the Galaxy Good for point. decades was that team of heroes in the future. Yep. And at a certain point, we said, well, we'll do a Guardians in the present. We'll take the characters that are here and we'll do a modern day Guardians. And that has ended up being the source material that, that turned eventually into the films. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, to such to such a degree that you know, while we've still done stuff with the future, the original Guardians of the Galaxy, they're not they're not seen as the primary Guardians anymore. And in the same sort of way, particularly assuming that the show does well and we do more, or we do more of the individual shows, or we do other shows that then also funnel into a Defenders two or a Defenders season three, whatever. Um, this is going to be what Defenders is, mm-hmm. you know. That in the same way as Guardians, this is probably how it's going to be defined, much more so than Doctor Strange and the Hulk and and the Submariner. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, a little bit, but not not really. It was it was sort of uh, 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 it was sort of obvious that this was going to be the the thing that we did. Right. And Brian Bendis has said, I've heard him say it like in retreats, and I think he's also said publicly like this is a book he had planned. For a long time since the end of his new Avengers run, yeah. Um, how did that line up with Brian having this pitch he wanted to go with, and also again synergy with the with the show? How did those two things balance? Well, out? he had the. I mean, he had the book he wanted to do, and the book he wanted to do wasn't specifically. I'm going to have Daredevil, and I'm going to have uh, Iron Fist, and I'm going to have Cage, and I'm going to have Jessica. It had most of that, mm-hmm. you know, and you can really see it. Like his last issue of of New Avengers. You know, ends with them like Luke sells the Avengers Mansion back to Tony, and he and Jessica and the baby go off, and they talk about restarting Heroes for Hire. And I think you know, in Brian's head at that point, the book would be Heroes, Heroes for, for Hire, Hire. Sure. and it would probably at that point have included Iron Fist. I don't know if it would have included Daredevil. It might have. It might have included some other characters. And in fact, I took out in Brian's script, it had a blurb for coming, you know, this summer, Heroes for Hire, and I took <laughs> it out it. and was like, no, I can't. We don't, we don't know if it's coming this summer Brian you have a lot of other things to yeah. write um, but it was definitely something like obviously all of those characters and particularly Jessica and Luke and and uh, uh, Daredevil not so much uh, Fist just because he hasn't done as much writing on Fist he's mostly used Fist in the context of New Avengers mm-hmm. but Brian's had long strings of writing all of those characters uh, and and you know comes from a background of doing sort of street level crime fiction so it, this is very much uh, it's his neighborhood. Uh, you know, it's where he made his bones. It's where where uh, you know he he sort of does his best or most comfortable work. You know, it's easy shoes to to slip on. Um, so again, once once it became apparent that we were going to be doing, even before there was a Defenders show, even when it became apparent that we were going to be doing these different shows that were focused on the street level characters, you know, in uh, for Netflix. Um, you know, it, it was sort of, you know, again, Brian was right there, bouncing up and down, going, ooh, 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 remember, remember that thing, the yeah. Heroes for Hire, we could do that. Uh, you know, he, he definitely had stories he wanted to tell, and he was invested in all those characters in a way um, that, that uh, you know, it, it grows out of the stuff that, that he had done and all the foundation he's, he's laid, you know, now going back uh, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of time. Yeah. So, Alana... Catch us up to speed what's gone on in the Defenders comic so far and what's headed for the second big arc. 
Okay, so I'm, <laughs> now I'm trying to remember what even is out at this point. So, so I can tell you the, the last issue that came out ended with Diamondback being put into a truck. Okay, with right. the yeah. got four, it. Four got is it. the last one. Right. Placed it in my. We're working on one this week, so I was like, I hope right. I don't yes. talk about that one. Uh, so we're don't not reveal quite through the shocking twist in issue five. <laughs> we're not quite through the first arc yet, which oh, is right. still. Diamondback. Like the next issue picks up exactly where the last one ends I thought, up. I thought he had been defeated. Nope. Yeah. nope. People thought so. They underestimate uh, Diamondback. Yes. So, did. so we're still like throughout this arc dealing with Diamondback, who is who has returned for reasons unknown, uh, and seems to be very very powerful, like un- unusually so to the point that the defenders are struggling to deal with him. Uh, and at the end of the last issue, we see him in a prison van with the Punisher, mm. who was already hunting him down and mm. looking to deal with him for, you know, whatever punishery reasons uh, he had, as in Diamondback does crime, yeah. doesn't want him to do crime, yeah. probably is the main thing. <laughs> uh, so we're going to see a bit more of, of that prison van ride very oh, cool. soon, right, uh, nice. which is delightful. <laughs> uh, and from there, it's really the team is still kind of getting used to each other as a team, uh, and... You know, people are vying to be the new top prime dog in the city. Uh, so it'll be a bit of jostling there between, you know, people like Black Cat and people like Diamondback. And mm-hmm. and we'll see that develop over the course of the next few issues as well. What do you guys say about why Defenders kind of stands out from other team comics? Because when I read it, it definitely doesn't feel like the standard... Avengers or X-Men title of the day. It's got a very different feel to it, and I want to know if you guys could put your finger on that. Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not the only thing, but one thing that that makes it different right now is uh, David Marquez. Mm, Because David Marquez... Uh, you know he's done great work. You know on everything that he's done before. His Iron Man was wonderful. His yep. his uh, Civil War. His Ultimate Spider-Man. Going all the way back to Fantastic Four season one, which mm-hmm. is I think the first thing he did for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's only grown by leaps and bounds. And he, uh, you know, while he brings the strengths of what he does to every project, he sort of is a bit of a chameleon. And so he's brought a lot more texture and grit, and 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 uh, a flavor to his defenders. Then you know, say his Civil War pages or his Iron Man pages, which were all about really being sleek and slick and high tech. Mm-hmm. Um, but but uh, you know, Marquez's uh, action sequences uh, and storytelling pages are phenomenally excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and Brian together are are trying to innovate different ways of doing the same. You know, do, doing uh, uh, the kinds of scenes or the kinds of moments you might have seen in other comics, but in ways you haven't seen before. You know, we've seen a couple of those, whether it was, I think it was in issue two, maybe, the, 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 the page where, you know, Daredevil, like, throws his billy club and bounces it off mm. 14 guys yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to knock them all out and it's all a splash that's almost like a Chris Ware <laughs> diagram of nice. where the where the club has gone mm-hmm. you know to the the sequence in again I think it was three where we spend about three pages cutting around the neighborhood mm-hmm. as all these different disparate people tell you the gossip that is the backstory of Luke Cage and Diamondback mm-hmm. and how they got to be who they were and how they feel about all this stuff um, to the, the sequence that opened Four, where we track the in, in a very almost uh, movie fashion, cine- cinematic fashion, we track this shipment of drugs and this particular drug packet of this new 
uh, you know, in human growth hormone that 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 Diamondback is peddling as it passes from person to person until it gets used, uh, and that in fact also crosses over into an issue of ulti- of uh, Miles Morales Spider Man. Okay. Um, you know that uh, uh, you know Brian got two different. Uh, uh, plot threads to kind of cross nice. in a moment mm-hmm. uh, where there's some repeated dialogue and there's yeah, some duplicated right. scenes. <laughs> um, so, so the the actual uh, you know the mechanics of of reading and watching, experiencing a comic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, are very specific to these guys. Mm-hmm. You know, also a big part of that, because uh, I try to mention everybody, um, is uh, uh, Justin Ponzer, mm-hmm. the Excellent. the color artist. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, he, he tends to work a lot with, with with David. He tends to work a lot with with Brian. Uh, you know, and he brings a real cinematographer's eye to. Uh, coloring, not just making sure the sky is blue and the grass is green and Daredevil is red, <laughs> but but uh, you know uh, uh, using color to help tell the story, to create mood and atmosphere, to uh, shift you from location to location, to highlight drama, to highlight emotion. Um, so it's a real top flight uh, uh, team. And I feel like, again, we read five, we're working on five this week, and mm-hmm. we'll be sending that to press mm-hmm. today or tomorrow. Uh, you know, and I feel like at this point, uh, you know, these guys are in a ver- really nice, easy, flowing, natural rhythm where they're comfortable in the way the characters are getting comfortable. And the characters are fun mm-hmm. for all that they're all these sort of dark, kind of broken, kind of tortured individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their they're, they're interactions and, and uh, you know, their their uh, uh, banter and such is actually kind of delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when, when action breaks out, it, it's very grounded action, but it's super cool. The fight in 4 where, where Iron Fist having had his back cracked at half mm, the previous yeah. issue gets up and uh, you know does the w- coolest fight sequence ever yeah, and then is like please get me to a hospital, hospital. <laughs> yeah. right and and Jessica before that having that big punch where she like mashes yeah. and mangles yeah uh, Diamondback's face and oh, the yeah, way it's yeah. drawn like you could see like the indentation of her fist mm. into his face and it's it all one of, one of my favorite things David is doing which we noticed even more this week is like as more people punch Diamondback in the face his face is getting just more oh, and more yeah. janky like like his nose is busted his like jowls are doing something oh, now right, and it's right. just like you look at him in the first issue versus the like the latest one that's coming right. out or even the cover that will be coming out soon for the you know, whatever issue we're soliciting. And, like, his face is not the same face, and that's not an accident. That's a very conscious choice because he's getting punched a lot by super-powered people, which is a delightful little thing that I don't think a lot of people would take the time to think of. So, All right, well, you guys have represented Defenders pretty well. I think if you're not checking it out, please do check it out. It's an excellent series. Watch the show on Netflix, and when you're done, and you're like, what do I do? And you feel (laughs) lost, go and seek out... Defenders of Comics, is there any final thoughts you guys want to give on Defenders? Uh, yeah, I just saw a screening yesterday, and I will say you have to wait two whole episodes to see the characters interact. In what? our comic, you just have to wait one page. Nice. We <laughs> <laughs> undercut TV there, Alana. But it's delightful. Nice and we only got to watch the two episodes until they meet, so I'm super, super excited there to watch go. them actually hanging out, which is going to be great. But, but we just get to have them hang out all the time, because they've met in our comics so. <laughs> cool guys thank you for dropping by mm-hmm. it's the west coast show me and the wolfman it's the west coast show me and the wolfman it's the west coast show me and the wolfman it's the west coast show me and the wolfman it's the west coast show me and the wolfman it's the west coast baby yeah yeah hello
Marvelites. This is Assistant Editor Christine Din. This is Editor Eric Goldman. And we're here from the West Coast with another segment with everything you need to know about games, TV, and film. And we know that we have an intro with intro music <laughs> that identifies people who aren't sitting here anymore. But don't worry, we have our top men on it right now. Yes. Thank you, Jimmy. Um, but yeah, we have an incredibly exciting week um, in the world. Let's start off with the world of film. Um, hope you guys are ready to get Groot Scootin. Uh, <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is available now on digital, but it's coming on Blu-ray and 4K um, UHD next Tuesday. Um, I know there's a lot of exciting bonuses on there, and if you just want to have a break from the world and just enjoy pure, pure uh, space adventuring with talented hilarious people this is the the way to do it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then uh, we had a birthday in the marvel verse this week we had uh, taika watiti the i hope i'm saying his name right i'm always worried i'm not but i think i did it pretty good uh director of thor ragnarok it was his thursday uh his birthday i said almost said thor's day that would have been perfect (laughs) (laughs) yes it was his birthday this week so happy birthday taika happy birthday i hope you have an awesome fruit ensemble (laughs) Yes, all I know is he was dressed better than we are for Always, his birthday. every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, and there was uh, some other international uh, Thor reveals this week as yes. well. There was a trailer out there that might have revealed a, a certain Master of the Mystic Arts mm-hmm. for people who have been uh, wondering about that character. So. <laughs> you also got to see a, a poster yeah. as well. Yeah, there's uh there's the the hype is real on Thor Ragnarok. And yeah, with uh with Doctor Strange in that uh trailer, that was pretty cool. I mean, obviously the the teaser at the end uh of Doctor Strange had you pretty sure he'd be yeah. in the movie. <laughs> but uh, I think a lot of people were pretty psyched to get that confirmation and to see what it's gonna be like to have Doctor Strange sort of bouncing off another part of the mm-hmm. Marvel universe. And now moving on to the world of games. Um if you head over to Marvel.com, you can watch the latest story trailer for Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite, you know, coming your way September 19th. But the big news this week, I don't even know why we're having such a big event, um, <laughs> but the Defenders returned to battle the hand in Marvel's Avengers Academy. Um, so, you know, Kingpin's been in prison for a year. And, you know, that left a power vacuum in Hell's Kitchen, which Madame Gal <laughs> Definitely swooped in, um, so she has a strong hold on Hell's Kitchen, but she's actually um, coveting this this uh, secret artifact that Director Fury is keeping at the Academy. So she's heading that way, and normally the Defenders would have been like, cool, no big deal, but she ends up kidnapping some of their friends mm-hmm. and uh, allies. So... Play the game. Um, you'll be revis- revisiting all the iconic locales like Alias Investigations, Josie, the law offices of Nelson and Murdoch. I also believe the Hell's Kitchen courthouse or something is mm-hmm. also going to be in there. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. But um, you'll see you know, familiar faces, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Hellcat, Elektra, Misty Knight, Punisher, Luke Cage, and Jessica Jones. But we also have a bunch of new faces for you guys to collecting you know throw into the mix we have foggy nelson clean wings stick and claire temple i love that foggy nelson is you know part of games now yeah it's <laughs> amazing and you know they all take on like heroic moments of their own you know they're no sidekick right right 
Now, let's shift over to TV, and it's funny you should mention the Defenders. I know. What? Why mm. is everyone talking mm. about them? <laughs> well, has it happened? <laughs> this week, uh, you know, on Friday, we're going to Today. get uh, the release, yes, of uh, Worldwide of Marvel's The Defenders, uh, available everywhere. But uh, there was oh, new... Exclusively tr- on Netflix. Exclusively on Netflix. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be staying up very late to watch that and already, when they're listening to this, might have already binged the whole thing. Yeah. Because a lot of people I know would was, are going to want to do that. <laughs> I feel like this is like... Netflix is the only time where we get the the benefit of being on the West Coast. Yeah. Because it's midnight midnight West Coast time. Yeah. Yeah. So no one can get anything spoiled. We all see it on an even keel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It is true. It's true. Because usually it's like, oh man, things airing on the East Coast first, this and that. But then, yeah, with the Netflix debuts and the specific time they go up, yeah. Uh, living on the West Coast, I've I felt pretty lucky <laughs> to at least get in a few episodes and then see how, how tired I get. But uh, in advance of Marvel's The Defenders debuting on Netflix, there's actually a new and final trailer that went up this week. Uh, you can mm-hmm. watch it now. Uh, and uh, yeah, there's there's plenty to see with The Defenders. You check out that trailer. Of course, watch the whole thing. And, you know, listen, uh, if you watch the whole thing to the end, which, <laughs> I mean, you're going to want to do anyway, but to the very, very end, who knows? There might be some more for you there. Yeah, don't punish yourself mm. by not watching this. Yeah, you wouldn't <laughs> want to do that, would you? Uh, so, yeah, watch every single episode uh, to the very end. There might be an awesome surprise. And, yeah, Marvel's uh, The Defenders is now available on Netflix. Awesome. And in the world of Marvels and Humans, we uh, welcome the royal family in a brand new trailer where you get to see you know, the role each character plays. And what you find is that it is a very divided family. Yeah. (laughs) But um, awesome news. If you're uh, ready to see it in all its IMAX glory, pre-order your IMAX tickets now on BeInHuman and IMAX.com. So be sure to watch it there starting September 1st and then the complete series on ABC starting September 29th. And then are you guys ready to run away? Because, uh... (laughs) We're just announced an awesome casting this week for the Hulu original series, Marvel's Runaways. Um, Julia McMahon, who I loved from Charmed, mm-hmm. who was also in Dirt Gently. It, A lot of and, people know him from Nip Tuck, of yeah, course. Yeah, Nip Tuck. I'm still traumatized from this one episode <laughs> that I watched. Yes. Um, but he's coming into the world of the Runaways. Um, as a character named Jonah, he's kind of mysterious. We don't know his origins or his intentions, but he will be a pivotal player in, you know, the kids' rebellion against their parents. So watch it exclusively on the streaming service Tuesday, November 21st. And this is a big week for uh, Marvel debuts. I mean, we talked about Defenders mm-hmm. earlier, but we've also got Marvel Spider-Man making its way to Disney XD this Saturday morning at 7 a.m., and on top of that, there's actually some new casting news. Uh, Disney star Cameron Bo- Boyce will be guest starring on an episode, which will debut next week, Saturday on August 26th. And he'll voice a character named Herman Schultz. Who is that? Mm, well, that name <laughs> might strike a chord for some. Uh, on Marvel Spider-Man, he is a driven young scientist who creates a new wearable tech with his best friend, Clayton Cole. Uh, the episode is actually called Osborne Academy, and it has Herman auditioning for a new prestigious school called the Osborne Academy, <laughs> which pits him against his best friend, Clayton, and the two battle it out for a coveted spot at the school. 
Uh, I actually went to a uh, sort of screening and Q&A this week for Marvel Spider-Man. That's right. And yeah, they were talking a lot. Um, you know, Court Lane was kind of getting into the, how the show has uh, these sort of three different schools involved in it. Uh, there's uh, Midtown, sort of the classic school from mm-hmm. Spider-Man. But uh, in this show, Peter is just starting at a magnet school called Horizon, which is for sort of scientific geniuses, which he is. But yep. then we've got the Osborne Academy has another player, uh, you might guess, who is, you know, founding that school. <laughs> and uh, so it's interesting. Like, yeah, we're gonna, they're really going to delve into sort of these three different schools, the ideas of mentors. A lot of familiar characters will be introduced as either uh, faculty or students. Mm-hmm. And so Herman you know, he might make a little uh, shocking debut here on the show, which you can look forward to. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see it, especially after seeing um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. I'm just all like, these kids are so adorable. Yeah. <laughs> I think people are really going to like uh, sort of the take on some of these characters they do. And and yeah, there's, there's also going to be a lot of familiar faces from the comics that you will mm-hmm. meet as Peter's friends who you might go, hey, uh, I know them for wearing costumes and having powers in the show. And uh, don't worry, they made it clear at the Q&A. If, if you're waiting for some of these people to get their abilities, <laughs> they're not going to forget that you might want to see that. Awesome. And yeah, that was our pretty jam-packed week. Um, <laughs> we will have tons of more news for you guys as you know we head into the fall with fall TV season you know, happening. Um, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, we got we got plenty on the horizon for you. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna kick it back to the East Coast. Um, say hi to us for us. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, East Coast. <laughs> Bye. And we're back. We're Reminder, back. you can get in touch with us using the hashtag ThisWeekAtMarvel on Twitter, or you can email us at TwimPodcast at Marvel.com. That's T-W-I-M Podcast at Marvel.com. Uh, we only have a few tweets this week because we're recording relatively early, Yep. and the last episode just dropped into the feed uh, a little late, so we're going to roll into it. Uh, first up is Fede Campo saying, so... Defenders this Friday, Disney XD, and new Marvel's Spider-Man on Saturday. What a marvelous time we have ahead. A marvelous time indeed. Well said, Fede. Well said. Uh, speaking of Disney XD, anybody else watch the new DuckTales? Yeah, oh, uh, Andres, you I put your hand it. up. Yeah, Andres was excited. So I was a little confused. I'm definitely going to check it put out. put it on my DVR, yeah. and it, was, it went on TV at like midnight huh. on Friday night into set. They played it for 24 straight hours? Well, there's that. I guess that was the first <laughs> recording. Anyway, I watched it and it was terrific. Yeah, it's good. I like the nostalgic part, especially with the theme song, really hit me. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. it was just, I you know, I love Scrooge McDuck comics, yep. uh, or all duck comics, but mostly the Scrooge stuff. Any and, duck comic. Yeah, like any uh, any comic that has a duck in it, yeah, I'll take it. Just throw like a duck on the Howard, side. Howard, Donald, yeah. random ducks, make way for ducklings, like yeah. the works. Yeah. Yeah, Mighty Ducks. Thank you, Andres. Uh, but it, it's really fun. So great cast. Show. Yeah, that cast is amazing. From voice cast. Is he casting it? David Tennant. Oh wow. Is Scrooge McDuck. Wow. Beck a... Bennett is uh, Launchpad McQuack. Mm. Uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are. Um, 
Ben Schwartz in there? Ben Schwartz, yeah. Danny Pudi, Danny Pudi mm-hmm. and uh, Bobby Moynihan. Oh, wow. Um, and then, um, what's her? Uh, Kate McCucci. Kate McCucci, thank you, uh, who is also on uh, Steven Universe, and she mm-hmm. does a bunch of voices, great actress. She plays uh, Penny. Mm-hmm. Is it Penny? Webby. Webby, thank you. Thank you. It's good we got Andres here. Yeah, thank yeah. God. How many times did you watch it? Just twice. Just twice. <laughs> I've watched it once. Uh, it's great, but now I have to. We have to wait months for it. Really? Like a month or so until the full series. Did you ever play huh. the DuckTales video game for Nintendo? Yeah, they that just was, remastered that it. That was the best. Yeah. Such a good game. Totally. All right. Back to our regular yeah. schedule. Yeah. Hey, what HW View? Uh, my pick for eight nine is Amazing Spider-Man number thirty one by Dan Slott. The destruction is plenty of revenge, and hope shines through. Yeah. Hmm. Next up, we have at Johnny Timbles. Kyle Charles says, got around to reading the first three issues of Iceman. It's really good. I'm liking the one and done stories. Mm, yes, mm-hmm. very much. Yeah, and then he says, Captain America 25 and Secret Empire 8 was dope as heck. Hats off to Nick Spencer. Yeah. We finish things off with Simon Williams, Simon Sebs, who says, Twim of the Week 489, Squirrel Girl number 23. The TMNT reference and last page is what sealed the deal. Now, just a little reminder for you, for our friends across the pond, 8-9 means August 9th to us. Oh, yes. Gotta remember. Mm. Those rascally Europeans. Reading Miss Marvel number 21, the tragedies keep piling up for Kamala, waiting to see how she pulls out a win. Defenders number four was great. One of the better fight scenes I've seen in a comic in a while. After everything that happened on 8-12-17, can you translate that? August 12th, Thank 2017. You. Thank you. Uh, I'm glad to have comics for a brief piece. Thanks, Brian, Michael Bendis, G. Willow Wilson, etc. Well said, Simon. Uh, well said for It's us nice all. to have that bit of escapism yeah, nice and comics. some heroes out some. there. I, I, I tweeted at hashtag this week in Marvel this week. Where's, where's my tweet? Take it up with uh, intern Big Ange. Oh, man, am I gonna. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Big Ange, who's <laughs> about to do her 15th tour as an intern, yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> something like that? Something, tour. something along those lines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The social media team, they know what they like and they stick with it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, being an intern here is like a tour of duty. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Right. Yeah. You guys would agree. Yeah. 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 Tucker, former intern yeah. hunter. Um, <laughs> Andres, current intern. Andres got a couple more weeks left with us. We were yeah. talking about before the show. Well, good. All right. I guess that's it. Yeah. Uh, uh, reminder. URC. Yes. Let's get some comments on this. I really want to talk about it. <laughs> ben just made like this little <laughs> excited motion. So you guys gotta read it and comment on it. It's on the Marvel Unlimited it's app. It's great stuff. It's I, on I love reading this whole Marvel.com slash comics. Um, it's Ben has tweeted it out. Yeah, so. it's on it's pinned on my profile. If you go to Ben J. Morse on Twitter, it's the top thing is a link right to the reading club. Yeah. Hey Tucker, where are you on Twitter? I'm at Tucker Marcus. That's my name, but it's M A R K U S. That's an that's it, people usually say M A R C U S. Say you people? No. Okay. No way. But also, I I it, either people call me my, my first name Marcus or Hunter, uh, or they <laughs> spell my last name wrong. Um, I don't know. It's something about having like one of those first name could be last name, last name yeah. could be first name. Sounds, names. Like real, sounds like a real nightmare. You it need, is. You need to scoop up at Hunter M A R C U S yes. on Twitter. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Is this an alter ego that we're coming up with? Oh, I know, like not another one. I'm scared. All right. Uh, yeah. Everything's rolling. I'm going to Seattle. Yeah. Have fun. Uh, so if you're in Seattle, maybe I'll see you just walking around the streets. <laughs> on that note, this is Marvel. 
your universe. <laughs>